Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this uh, Saturday, November 20th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Vieira versus Tate, which will take place in about an hour from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I believe they're calling it UFC Vegas 43, which uh, kind of makes you realize how ridiculous uh, having all these events at the Apex uh, can be when you look at the hashtags. I couldn't tell you a fucking a damn thing. I, I couldn't. I don't even know what UFC Vegas 37 is. Like, what's the difference between 37 and 34? They all just kind of blend together. So maybe they need to get a little more creative with their hashtags. But I guess that's neither here nor there. Uh, we got a great one for you uh, today. Uh, glorious Saturday. Just an awesome Saturday in the world. In in the world of MMA. Uh, in general, in sports in general. I mean, we have the Dirty Bird, River Falls, uh, Falcons. They're uh, playing in a bowl game. Uh, I think they're ranked like number 23, so that's awesome. Always had faith in Coach Matt Walker. Said it for years at this point, basically. Always had faith in that guy. Knew he would turn it around despite having nine, I believe nine seasons uh, below 500. We were just building towards this. You know, sometimes you got to lay the building blocks in. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, the Falcons football program wasn't built, you know, in nine years. It took 10 years. And now we're here. Now we're in a bowl game and we're going to fucking smoke Washington University or whatever, St. Louis University or whoever the fuck we're playing. Doesn't matter. They're bums. They're bums. So, you know, that's amazing. Uh, Great news. Some of the best news I've ever heard. The Falcons uh, men's hockey team, I think they're ranked number four in the nation. So that's pretty awesome. I don't know why they couldn't have done that when I was in school for two and a half years. Uh, The women's team is in the top 15, or maybe I have that mixed up. But either way, both of the hockey teams are highly ranked. So, you know, this is a great year for River Falls sports. Uh, You know, it's that awesome time of year where, you know, the weather's like 45 degrees. That's pretty fucking chill. That's pretty epic. And we got the UFC on today. Now, it's not the uh, greatest main event in the world, um, but, you know, we'll make do. We'll make do. We have the People's main event in the co-main, so, you know, it's all right. It's it's all good. Um, main card showdown today as well. Likely a rematch between me and Drew. We'll see We'll see how that goes. We'll see if he gets his picks in. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great day. We're also, we, I did a written preview of this fight, just something real quick to put on the website. So I think we're going to we're going to do that from now on. We're going to do written previews as well just to have a little bit more content out there. Um 
updated rankings. I can't remember if I said that on the last show, but the rankings are completely updated. I'm, I'm going to try to not fall behind on stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's about it. So without further ado, we can get right into the uh, the main event here. Just, you know, a likely fight of the year, fight of the decade contend- contender here between uh, Ketlin Vieira and Misha Tate. Uh, the UFC will have Misha Tate at number seven. Excuse me, excuse me at number eight, and Ketlin Vieira at number seven. Uh, that is fucking insane. We have Ketlin Vieira at eight, but we have Misha Tate at fifteen, mostly because she hasn't fought in uh, five and a half years, and the fight that she came back uh, to the UFC with was against Marion Renault, who we had at number fifteen. So it makes sense she would take the fifteen ranking. But she was on a four-fight losing streak at that point. I, I, th- I think it's crack smokery at its finest that Misha Tate is ranked at number eight. I mean, that is fucking insane. How could you possibly justify that? I mean, these are the same dummies who had Robbie Lawler ranked at number 15 for like the last year, even though that dude hasn't had a ranked win since fucking, I don't know, 2017. I think the, I think the fight against um, Cowboy Cerrone... So it's like these people are insanely dumb, which is why you need to see our rankings because they're the correct rankings. And if they were doing it correctly, they would know Misha Tate is actually at number 15. And, you know, sometimes I look at the rankings and if they had Misha Tate at like 12 or 13 or 14, I'd say that's wrong. I'd say that's stupid, but it's within the margin of error. But to be seven spots away from what it actually is, is just crack smoking. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just freebasing out of a light bulb at that point. Um. Yeah, like I said, not a very good fight here. Really don't care about Misha Tate. I don't actually. I do understand the fascination with Misha Tate. Uh, nobody wants to say it, but we all know why she's in this main event. Uh, and it's not for her fighting ability, and it's not for her relevancy because she's had one fight in the last five years. So we all know why Misha Tate's in this main event. I don't have to say it. We all know it. You know, if that bugs you, you know, it is what it is. That's why she's there. Um. Definitely going with Ketlin Vieira on this one. Um, I think some people might forget Ketlin Vieira was a very highly touted prospect at one point. And she was undefeated uh, leading up to her fight with Irene Aldana. And if she had beaten Irene Aldana, you know, I'm not saying she would have got a title shot in that next fight, but she was pretty close to a title. I mean, to be undefeated, you know, on the female side of things, really on, well, on the male side as well, you know, it's very impressive. So, um, you know, obviously got knocked out in that Irene Aldana fight, uh, and that kind of threw things off, but, you know, a very talented, uh, grappler, uh, you know, came back, beat Sajara Eubanks, lost to Yana Kunitskaya. That's a bad loss, in in my opinion, because I don't think that highly of uh, Kunitskaya. But you're going up against basically, you know, a, a retiree at this point. And Misha Tate's 35. She's 35. Now, it's kind of weird because it's not like she's 35 and she's been fighting the last five years, but really this could go a multitude of ways. But it's not like she's been taking damage the last five years. So she's kind of a fresher 35, but 35 is so fucking old for the female side of things. Like, tell me a 35-year-old who's still doing something on the uh, on the female side of things. I mean, you just fall off at that at, at that gender and the, at that uh, weight class more specifically because you could look look at um, male bantamweights. 
Who's a 35 year old who's still like in the top 10 doing shit? You know what I mean? There are 35 year old, like there are old people in the rankings like Frankie Edgar who are up there because, you know, they scam wins against Pedro Munoz and, uh, you know, because people love them, they'll, they'll be ranked highly. But, you know, you, it's just a reality that you fall off at that point. And, you know, for a bantamweight, I don't know, like 32, 33, you're, you're going to start to fall off a little bit. Um, 35 is a cliff. So I have a very tough time going with, with Misha Tate on this one. Vieira is more active. Both of their striking stats are, are garbage. Now, uh, you kind of got to throw the stats out the window with Misha Tate because, you know, you got to realize that these stats are from, you know, a decade ago, you know, when she was fighting. But, uh, uh, yeah, their, their striking stats are, you know, could make you cry. I mean, Ketlin Vieira... 2.6 significant strikes landed per minute absorbs 3.8 i mean you're a minus 1.2 differential that's i mean that could just make me fucking cry if i was a coach i would cry that's how bad those stats are but they're both very active grappling they both shoot for a, a little more than two takedowns per 15 minutes vira's got great <clears throat> excuse me great takedown defense uh pretty okay uh takedown accuracy misha tate could get taken down by anybody it's it's a coin flip whether or not she gets taken down statistically uh, pretty inaccurate with her takedown uh, accuracy. So, you know, I look at the striking. You probably got to give the striking advantage to Misha Tate. Maybe, uh, maybe you go, you give the power to Vieira, but I don't think that's very relevant in this fight. So, I, I just have to look at the grappling, and I think Vieira is a much better grappler. She's thirty, uh, significantly younger. So, I got to go with Ketlin Vieira. I don't really anticipate a finish in this fight because for obvious reasons. But uh, so I'll, I'll go Ketlin Vieira by unanimous decision. I feel pretty confident in that. Uh, Odd Shark, uh, I always say Odd Shark, but I guess Odd Shark is just uh, a compilation of odds. So I guess it's the opening uh, through the Odd Shark website, but the opening has Caitlin Vieira as a minus 160 favorite. I think that's probably right. You know, all the other ones have it as a coin flip uh, or as a pick 'em, uh, but I, I really disagree with that. I would have uh, a hard time putting money on, on Misha Tate. So. Uh, yeah, I'll go Ketlin Vieira by unanimous decision on this one. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, we're going to move on here to the co-main event, the people's main event here in the welterweight division between Michael Chiesa and Sean Brady. Chiesa is 17-5. and five. Uh, Brady is 14-0. and oh. We'll take a look at the rankings here via North Star Sports. And we'll have Michael Chiesa at uh, number 7, Sean Brady at number 11. I don't feel super great about Sean Brady at number 11, but the welterweight division's pretty odd. I've been running into some interesting um, rankings dilemmas that kind of force some people up a little higher. So it is what it, it, is, what it is. He's, un, he's undefeated. Um, but no, this is the uh, people's main event. A major step up in competition for Sean Brady. He has certainly never fought anybody like this. In fact, he's never even fought on a main card uh, before. Um, now, he's won pretty em- emphatically. Uh, he had a good win against Jake Matthews, a quick win against Christian Aguilera. I kind of liked Ismail uh, Nardiev. He kind of flamed out a little bit. Uh, a little too soon, actually. I think he should have stayed in the UFC, but it is what it is. Um, but, you know, Sean Brady, a very thick guy, uh, physically imposing. I, I'm, he's, a, he's a middleweight. He's 100% a middleweight. I have no fucking idea how he makes 170 because that's, that's a pretty big gap. I mean, that's a 15-pound gap between middleweight and, uh, and welterweight. <clears throat> I have no idea how he makes that, uh, that 
uh, weight cut. Now, he's going to be the minus 150 favorite against Michael Chiesa. I find that pretty interesting uh, and kind of telling. But, uh, no, this is a real, real step up in competition. And I, I usually have a tough time picking prospects. Like, you know, you, you kind of root for undefeated prospects. You know, you want to see, like, the next big thing uh, over somebody who maybe had their chance before. Not that, you know, Kiesa's washed or anything. You know, dude's 33 and and, and still in the top 10. But, uh, I mean, the, the strength of competition for Michael Kiesa is pretty fucking good. I mean, you know, just two fights ago, he was you know, uh, pretty handedly dominating uh, Rafael Dos Anjos uh, and, and was on a pretty solid win streak before he ran into Vincente Luque. That's a real tough one to run into. And I, ho- I hope people realize how good Vincente Luque is. And I, I think, you know, anybody who actually actively watches the UFC to any degree knows how good Vincente Luque is. But obviously he's not a name. You know, he's not a Nate Diaz. You know, people don't really know who Luque is if you're a casual. But that's a very... Uh, very, very good fighter. Very good fighter. Um, so no shame in losing um, to Vincente Luque. But um, I, p- I picked Sean Brady to win via submission. And I'm curious to see how the striking turns out in this fight because I thought I kind of think that's going to be the difference because they're both they're both really good grapplers. But the pro- the problem is Sean Brady's very uh, powerful and he's a good striker. So four point seven significant strikes to three point six absorbed. And again, it's at lo- it's at a lower level uh, of uh, of competition. Now Kiesa's got good defense, but I, I think Brady's going to have the advantage on the feet. Uh, powerful powerful striker, and they're both good grapplers. They're both good grapplers. Kiesa's certainly dangerous on the ground obviously known as a ground fighter but so is so is Brady and again the problem with Chiesa and why I'm going with Brady via submission is Michael Chiesa is very susceptible to getting choked on the ground like that's a real concern so he has five losses in the UFC four of them uh have been uh well all five have been stoppages but four of them have been stoppages via submission so he's very good on the ground he definitely can choke people out. He has a lot of submissions, but he's also, you know, he, he plays with fire a little bit too much. Or who am I to say? Because you know he's winning a lot more than he's losing. But you know the the choke is there, and I really wouldn't want to get choked by Sean Brady. So I think maybe the power puts the fight to the ground, and uh, then you know by doing so, you've kind of pigeonholed Michael Chiesa in in you know being on the ground. If I'm going to win this fight, I have to be on the ground. Sean Brady could just stand up or he, or he could, you know, play on the ground and, and try to look for uh, submission. I mean, I could not imagine getting fucking guillotined by uh, Sean Brady. I mean, that would just f- snap your neck in half like a fucking one of those glow glow sticks or whatever. Like, that's what would happen if, if he fucking guillotines you. So, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Sean Brady. Definitely going to be the toughest fight of his career. Wouldn't shock me if Kiesa won. He's a very uh, good underrated fighter fighter who's... Uh, been relevant for many many years but just you know ha- kind of recently broke through into the into the top 10 um, but I'm, I'm gonna go with Sean Brady on this one um, round two submission all right moving on to the featured bout on the main card is going to be in the flyweight division between Joanne Wood formerly Calderwood 
uh, and Talia Santos Wood is 15 and 6. Santos 18 and 1. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here, and Santos is going to be a pretty bordering on heavy favorite. I mean, minus 300 favorite. That's pretty significant. Minus 400 at Bovada. Um, it's pretty big, but I, I like Santos in this one. Uh, side note, I don't think marrying your coach is a, a great idea. And uh, I forget, Misha Tate might have even comment, commented, uh, or commented on that. Maybe she, maybe she commented on that, but uh, she commented on that, or somebody did. Not a, not a great idea to marry your coach, but, uh, you know, is what it is. Uh, we're going to have Wood at number five, which is pretty high, but, you know, is what it is. Santos at number eight. Uh, the flyweight division is gross when it comes to the rankings. From really 4 through 15, you could kind of mix and match wherever you want. There's not a whole lot of substance. There's nobody, uh, you know, because you'll have a fighter. Nobody's on a winning streak in the flyweight division, by the way. And you'll have, like, number 7 will beat number 3, and then number 3 loses to some strawweight that came, uh, Cynthia Calvillo. And then Calvillo will lose to fucking I don't know. So it, it's a mess in this in this division, um, which is kind of why I like Talia Santos because she lost her debut against uh, Mara Romero Barella or whatever the fuck her name is. Uh, but since then she's on a three fight winning streak. So I mean that's that's as far as I'm concerned a three fight winning streak in the flyweight division is you know. She's basically Anderson Silva in her prime at this point. I mean, you know, from she's Anderson Silva circa 2006 to 2013 with a three-fight winning streak in, in the flyweight division. That's how fucking impressive that is in in at, at, at the female 125. But uh, so I, I actually really like Talia Santos in this fight, but I really like her in general to maybe not get the next title shot, but be basically on the doorstep of a title shot because. Um, she's on a winning streak, and if you beat Joanne Wood, you're in the top five, and you know logically that would kind of make sense. Now, this is a pretty significant fight at flyweight, just in general, because uh, Joanne Wood—that's so fucking weird to say after calling somebody Calderwood for years—but uh, Joanne Wood, um, she's still in a good spot too. If she wins this, I wouldn't be surprised if she got a title shot. She's she's already the highest ranked fighter at 125 who does not have a loss to Valentina Shevchenko. She, so she already has that going for her. I don't think anybody really wants to see Shevchenko versus Andrade 2, and that's probably one of the best-case scenarios that could happen. Nobody wants to see Caitlin Chukagin get another title shot. Nobody wants to see Jennifer Maya get another title shot. So, you know, the winner of this one, you know, if, if they have some good skills on the mic, which I don't think Joanne Wood has, and I don't even know if Talia Santos speaks English for, for all I know, but... You know, there's a, a real big chance here, but I think it's going to go to uh, Talia Santos. Uh, the striking exchanges could be a little interesting. I would probably give the advantage to Joanne Wood in that regard, just because of her uh, extensive kickboxing background. But you know, she's a decision fighter. Talia Santos wins uh, via finishes, but again, the striking's uh, pretty good. Joanne Wood is a lot more active, but statistically, the defense for Santos is pretty high at 64%. Uh, and then if the fight goes to the ground, I mean, you're living in Santos's world there. Um, 
Wood is fairly she's she's more active than I thought in in the in regards to grappling, but again, I don't know who she's doing this against. I she's a kickboxer, so I don't know I don't know if this is coming against, you know, Andrea Lee or you know other kickboxers. I don't think he could do this against Santos. So, uh, I'm going to go Santos by decision. All right, moving on to uh, another fight here on the main card. Hani Yaya and Kyung Ho Kang. Yaya is 27, 10, and 1. Kang is 17, and 8. We'll take a look at the odds here. And uh, Yaya is uh, the minus 130 favorite. Just kind of two old guys. Two old bantamweights. Yaya is 36 uh, and has an awesome name. And uh, Kang is 34. So, you know, they're... They're very, very high up there. Super hard fight to pick because they don't fight good fighters. Either these are two elder bantamweights, but they are very, very low on the totem pole. I mean, you know, Yaya is uh, he, he's undefeated, or no, he only has one loss in his last six fights. But it's like you go up and down the list, and it's like Henry Briones, Russell Doan, Luke Sanders. Never heard of these people. Ricky Simone, I've heard of him. He lost to him. A draw to Barzola and a win to Ray Rodriguez. So you're like, okay, well, I mean, he's winning fights, but against nobodies. Kang is on a three-fight winning streak, but listen listen to this murderer's row that he's had to had to win against. Teruto Ishihara, Brandon Davis, and Ping Wan Liu. I mean, just you probably couldn't find three worse fighters to ever step in the UFC octagon in the, in the bantamweight division. So it's like, I don't fucking know who's going to win. I'm going to go with Yaya via submission. Um, just because he's more active, he's had more fights in the UFC, it seems like he's fighting ever so slightly better competition. Um, and the reason I go submission is the these guys win via submission. I mean, 78% of Yaya's wins are via submissions. He, he might even be up there for, like, the most submissions. I Actually, I think he has the most submissions in bantamweight history, uh, which is kind of unfortunate because it's, you know, against bums. And Kang wins via submission 65% of the time. So, you know, it very easily could go to a decision, but we're probably in for a pretty boring grappling match. But I would go Hani Yaya by decision. All right, we're going to move on here to the main card opener in the bantamweight division. Uh, we'll have Adrian Yanez taking on Davey Grant. Yanez is 14-3, and three, Grant 11-5. and five. We'll take a look at the odds. Yanez is the minus 260 favorite. Um, one hell of a main card opener. I'm super, fighted for this, uh, super excited for this one. Um, I have this one penciled in as fight of the night in fact i don't even have it penciled in i, I have it penned in i can't even erase it i i took a, a a black pen and and wrote this one in uh preemptively as fight of the night this one is going to be fucking epic i i just love it you know it's a step up in competition for yanez uh you beat davy grant you get your, your next fight is going to be in the rankings and for davy grant Excuse me. Uh, for Davy Grant, you know, not a super impressive record, but a guy who's really kind of figured it out uh, in his last handful of fights. He lost his last fight to Marlon Vera. That's a tough one. We saw what he did to Frankie Edgar. We know Marlon Vera is a good fighter, but it's kind of a chance for him to get his shine back against, you know, 
a... I'm going to say Yanez is a blue-chip prospect. I really think highly of Adrian Yanez, certainly his striking. I mean, he's just a bantamweight Jorge Masvidal. Um, very high-level striking in this fight. Pretty good power in this strike. I mean, the, the, the probability we get a finish in this one is pretty high. Um, Yanez is one of my favorite prospects to look out for, so I am going to pick him by second-round knockout, but he really has to mind his P's and Q's because... Um, he kind of made short work of his first three appearances in the UFC slash contender series. But in his last fight against Randy Costa, kind of got hurt pretty bad in that first round. And he survived, came back in the second, flipped the script, and knocked out Randy Costa. I don't know if you can do that against Davy Grant. Davy Grant has, uh, you know, his, his uh, right hand is a, is a, st- a steam piston. Uh, you see what he did to Martin Day. That was brutal. I mean, and and the knockout of Jonathan Martinez was very good. So I think Grant is more powerful than Costa. I think if if Yanez gets hurt like that against Davy Grant, Grant probably puts him away. So it's a, it's a tough one. You got to mind your P's and Q's. But Yanez has very high level striking. I think if he just settles down, you know, you don't have to get a finish in in round one or round two. I think if he just kind of chills a little bit the finish will still come because he's very dangerous good striker um but i'll be i'll be kind of curious to see how the first round goes in this one but i like adrian yanez to win via knockout all right moving on to the prelim headliner it's going to be in the featherweight division tucker lutz taking on pat sabatini lutz is 12 and 1 sabatini 15 and 3 uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. Sabatini is going to be the minus 150 favorite. Um, seems like people are siding with uh, Pat Sabatini on this one. I just kind of like Tucker Lutz. I don't really know why. He, he uh, you know, he kind of looks like Baker Mayfield. And he kind of he fights like Baker Mayfield. Like, he just gets the do- the job done. It's not really uh, pretty. Thank you, Bleacher Report, for telling me the Gophers are playing. Um, he's the Baker Mayfield of, of the of the lightweight division. I don't know what it is. Like, he's not flashy. You know, he's a real blue-collar, down-to-earth, meat-and-potato fighter. Not exciting, but just kind of a grinder. Gets the job done. Hard work. A real Cleveland fighter. Um, even though I think he's from, like, Baltimore or something. Doesn't matter. So, I just kind of like Tucker Lutz. I think he's a good grappler. He's fucking huge for 155. And he's only, I mean, he's 5'8", but, you know, his frame is massive. So, you know, mix in the wrestling, you know, chop in some some leg kicks. You know, I think he can grind his way to a decision. You know, I've never really seen much of uh, Pat Sabatini. Um, you know, he had a nice knockout of Jamal Emmers uh, back in uh, August, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sold on Pat Sabatini. Not that I'm, I have anything against him, but uh, not not sold. So I'm going to go Tucker Lutz by decision. All right, we're well, moving on uh, to the lightweight division. We'll have a fight between Hoffa Garcia and Natan Levy. Garcia is 12-2, Levy 6-0. Oh. Take a look at the odds. Levy's going to be the minus 145 favorite. 
Uh, again, like I like I always say, I kind of have a tough time picking debuting fighters. I kind of have a tough time uh, picking fighters who have that little experience. Six wins is not a lot, but you know, I'm gonna go with uh, Natan Levy on this one, of course, by decision, because I don't think Garcia has been finished in the UFC. But uh, you know, had a had a okay outing, a good enough outing, I, I suppose, on the Contender Series to get signed. Um, does have uh, f- he, he's had some amateur fights, not a, not a crazy amount, not thirty, but uh, you know he's had a handful of amateur fights, so maybe a little more experience than uh, uh, you know he's letting on. And uh, you know again, I just haven't seen much from uh, Hafa Garcia. Really got dominated in his last fight by Chris Gritzmacher, who you know that's not a guy you want to get dominated by. So you know Garcia. Maybe he comes out with a little extra pep in his step because if he loses this fight, he is certainly getting fired. I, I could not imagine him uh, remaining in the UFC if if he uh, loses this one. But yeah, I don't think the threat is there. He's uh, a human punching bag statistically, uh, a minus 3.2 basically uh, significant strike differential. So he's there to get hit. Uh, I don't really think of him as a grappler. Maybe maybe he is for all I know, but I'm going to go Natan Levy on this one. All right, moving on to the, uh, well, just another fight on the prelims here. Uh, we'll have Luma Lukbunmi and Lupita Godinez taking on, uh, what the hell am I talking about? We'll have Lup- Lupita Godinez taking on Luma Lukbunmi. I need more coffee, holy shit. Uh, they're both 6-2. and two. Uh, it's a straw weight fight here. On the written preview I had, I picked Luck, uh, Luck Bun Me. It's essentially a pick 'em uh, odds wise. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script. I'm gonna go with uh, Godinez on this one. I don't know why. I just kind of you know sat on this one, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna flip flop my uh, my pick here. I'm gonna go with Godinez. They're both really really small. Uh, straw weights, they're five uh, one and five two respectively. I do not like the quick turnaround for Godinez. I think that's that's terrible, terrible. This is her third fight in like forty two days, her fourth appearance in the UFC, and she debuted in April. I I just don't like it. She had a great performance against uh, Silvana Gomez Juarez, and then she turned around a week later and fought Luana Carolina, and lost. Like and and you know. Of course, like, I'm not stupid. I'd be praising her if she beat uh, Carolina. Everybody would. You know, so it's kind of unfair because, you know, whatever outcome happens, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But it's like, knowing that was, knowing that happened the last time you turned around quickly, why would you turn around super quickly on the Carolina fight? Because it's only like 36 days after that Carolina fight. So why, like... She's a a young fighter. She's only 28. Like, go get more experience. Go train. Go like you don't you don't have a training camp when you do that. I I don't know how she's handling this, but you don't have training camps, you know, that that are fucking like three weeks long. So like I don't know. She's probably just training every single day, like most fighters. But (coughs) excuse me. But uh, yeah, I don't I, I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. Which is why I picked uh, Luma, 
but then I kind of realized I don't think Luma's that good. So <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Godinez. Uh, Luma's a good striker. She's a good striker. So is uh, Godinez when you look at the stats. But I think the, the wrestling is really what uh, Luma's going to struggle with. And Godinez is a very active wrestler, good wrestler, uh, submission threat. So, you know, I, th- I think... And she's going to be the slightly bigger fighter in there. Although, again, you know, we're kind of splitting hairs here. So uh, I'm going to go with Godinez. I think if the fight stays standing, you know, you, I could easily see, a, uh, you know, an outcome where Luma wins. But I, I just think that, uh, you know, slightly smaller cage. Godinez probably takes her down and uh, submits her or, or just rides it for a decision. So, you know, we'll go Godinez on this one. All right, moving on. We'll have a fight here between Cody Durden and uh, Arichi Lang in the flyweight division. Durden 11-3-1. Uh, Arichi Lang 18-8. and eight. We'll kind of go quickly through uh, these last three. Um, should be the fight of the prelims. Uh, Cody Durden was in a very interesting fight. Both these fighters, by the way, are looking for their first win in the UFC. Uh, Durden, in his debut, he went to a draw if my fucking internet would ever work uh he went to a draw with uh it doesn't fucking matter internet sucks um but he went to a draw i can't why am i forgetting who he went to a draw with doesn't matter he had a very interesting fight there was a 10-8 in there where he got beat up pretty badly uh but but came out hot and Richie lang had that uh fight against uh jeff molina that was a, a a fight of the night as far as i'm concerned uh, back at UFC 261. So, you know, uh, I think both of these fighters uh, are, are going to bring it. Uh, Arichi Lang won hell of a chin, good power. I think he's a good striker, but his defense was f- historically terrible. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, you really got the feeling that that fight was going to get stopped, but uh, I guess they just had the wrong referee. Uh, Durden is the minus 145 favorite. I'm going to go with Arichi Lang. I think he fixes his defense a little bit, uh, which is not saying much because it was just so bad. Um, but you can't really put him away. You can't really knock him out. He's just kind of the fucking Chinese zombie, the Mongolian murderer. And, uh, yeah, holy shit. He got hit with 12.6 significant strikes per minute in that fight. And that was a 15-minute fight. But, uh... You know, it's not it's not like Cody Durden is outstriking his opponents. I mean, he has a negative uh, differential. His significant strike defense is actually, st- percentage-wise, it's worse than Arichi Leng, which is not good. I don't know what to make of the grappling between these two, but I'm going to go with Arichi Leng just from sheer willpower. I think he gets it done, and, you know, I'll be rooting for him. Uh, moving on to the second fight on the prelims, we'll have a fight here between... Shailen Nerdanbike and Sean Soriano. Nerdanbike is 19 and 7. Uh, Soriano 14 and 7. We'll take a look at the odds. I believe Soriano is going to be the slight favorite. And it's actually moved since uh, I wrote that uh, preview because Soriano is the minus 225 favorite. Very hard to pick him. Very, very hard to pick him because he's 0 and 4 in two stints in the UFC. So it's really hard to pick a guy who just sucks in the UFC, who can't get a win to save his life. But uh, Nerdan Biki is, um, I don't know, he's, uh, he's hes also looking for his first win in the UFC, lost his debut to Josh Koulibau. Um, 
and has a lot of losses on the regional scene. So I guess I'm going to go with Sean Soriano. I don't feel good about it. I couldn't point to any stats that would support my case for picking Soriano, nor could I do the same with uh, Nerdambiki. So I'm just going to go with the odds. I'm going to go with the fact that Soriano's faced faced lost to tougher competition and you know just kind of roll the dice on this one so here goes nothing Sean Soriano by decision and then we have the prelim opener between Sam Sam Page Hughes and Luana Pinheiro um the opening has Pinheiro as the minus 225 favorite I'm sure I'm fucking butchering that uh last name uh, other sports book ha- sports books have it m- uh, closer to a minus 400 favorite. So, uh, per you know Bovada and Bet Online, she's the biggest favorite on this card, and that's kind of that's kind of interesting. That's kind of I wonder how they came to those numbers because I guess she's just a highly touted prospect. I mean, she uh, got signed off the contender series at a first round finish, which is pretty impressive. And she won her debut in May against Random Marcos, but it was because of that illegal upkick. So she kind of won by DQ. And uh, I don't know, Random Marcos is not a not a good fighter. So we don't really know how good Luana is. Uh, Sam Hughes, on the other hand, um, 29 years old, got signed uh, out of the uh, LFA got uh, knocked out in round one by Tisha Torres. Actually, it was a doctor's stoppage. And then lost to uh, Luma Lukbunmi uh, back in May. So probably fighting for her job here. You don't want to go to 0-3 in the UFC. Although, you know, on the female side of things, I mean, you know, we've seen... I mean, Randa Marcos can lose 12 fights in a row and she'll still always have a, a job. Um, so you never really know, but uh, probably probably got to get a win here. I'm going to go with Luana just because it seems like people feel pretty strongly she's going to win. I don't feel very strongly she's going to win. I don't really have any strong thoughts on either of these two fighters. I mean, one of them is probably going to be a flame out in the UFC, and the other one has a win you know, because of a DQ. So there's not a whole lot to go on here unless you watch regional Brazilian MMA or the LFA. Um, so I'm going to go uh, Luana by... You know, I'm going to go by finish. I'm going to go by feel, by finish. I'm feeling generous. Normally, I would go by decision. doesn't really matter because it's not the uh, main card showdown. But I think Luana finishes her in round two or round three. Um, so with that, we have reached the end of this uh, preview here. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at OwenEalyMN. Check out our website, NorthStarSports.media. Check out the uh, rankings. Check out the main card showdown. Uh, which will happen uh, later today. Uh, we will have updated rankings after uh, the uh, main event. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, I think that's basically about it. Oh, I, I've been always meaning to say this, but if you enjoy the show, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or, or uh, you know, wherever you're uh, tuning in. Jesus, as my sinuses just explode. But, yeah, be sure to give us a five-star uh, rating. And with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody.